This episode is brought to you by Accenture. A better you starts with better hydration. Accenture is on a mission to inspire people to do what matters most. Their proprietary ionization process transforms water from any source into ionized alkaline water, providing water that's 99.9% pure with a pH of 9.5 or higher. Essentia Overachieving H2O, the number one ionized alkaline water. Shop now. This episode is brought to you by Smart Food Popcorn. Some decisions aren't the best, like skipping ahead in your favorite podcast. Think of all the banter you'll miss, the lore in the making. Luckily, Smart Food Popcorn is a no-brainer. Deliciously tasty and available in a variety of fun flavors. It's a smart decision every time. Smart food. Add smart. To learn more, visit smartfood.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams. So they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually we're great, but together we're so much better. That's why millions of teams around the world, including 75% of the Fortune 500, trust Atlassian software. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Hello, I'm Oliver Condit, the editor of BBC Music Magazine, and welcome to the BBC Music Podcast. You can buy a copy of the magazine at your local newsagents or download our app to your iPad, Kindle Fire or Android tablet. And for the latest music news and more, head to our website at classical-music.com. This week, we gathered together members of the BBC Music Magazine team for First Listen, a monthly slot where members of the magazine editorial team chat about and rate an important new release. With me in the BBC Music Magazine studio this month are Jeremy Pound, the deputy editor, Rebecca Franks, our reviews editor, and Rosie Pentreath, our online editor and staff writer. Hello. Hello. This month we've been listening to a recording of works for violin and piano on EM Records, featuring no less than four world premieres. Playing on this brand new disc are violinist Rupert Marshall Luck and pianist Matthew Rickard. So, will it prove to be an English idyll, or much like our weather, a bit of a washout? Before we get talking, let's hear the opening to the one of the world premieres on the disc, the Sonata for Violin and Piano in B minor.
Jeremy, you're a fan of uh, houses, choral and organ music. Is this quintessential house? Is this essential house to listen to? I think you can hear his voice developing here. I mean, he didn't really start work writing choral and organ music in earnest, or certainly choral music, until later in his in his life. Um, that's where his this very, very distinct voice really develops. And it's also his best-known music. It's also, I'd suggest, his best-crafted music is his choral music. And, of course, you can hear Howells' choral music. You know it's Howells the moment you hear it with those angular chords, the slightly sort of meandering direction he takes them in. But this is very much early Howells influenced by the people he studied with and, and, and mixed with, isn't, isn't it? It is, and it's actually really very interesting. What I like with these, there's kind of there's four main sonatas on this disc, um, and taking them in in chronological order. In the first one in 1911, you can really hear the influence of Elgar there. This was this was actually the work was written just a year after the premiere of the Elgar's Violin Concerto, and you can hear the Elgar in that. By the time you get to sonatas number two and one. Actually, come in the wrong order. They are published in the in the other order than you'd expect them to be. You actually can hear elements of French music coming in there. There's moments which remind me of Foray, a bit of Debussy, a bit of Ravel. And then by the time you get to number three, which was written in 1923, his voice gets starts to get a little bit more modal. There's a bit more folky as well. You almost re- reminds me a little bit of Bartok here and there. It's so you can hear him developing, but still there are elements of Howells throughout all four of them, these sort of strange harmonic twists, these kind of very elaborate chords here and there. Mm. So it's a really interesting listening experience. Even at this this relatively young age, um, Howells is also capable of some incredibly beautiful writing. And there's moments here and there which are are just stunning. And I think one really good example is in the second sonata um, from 1917, and in particular the second movement, the Lento Assai Espressivo, which I'd like to hear here. So, Rebecca, the sonata in B minor, you can tell from the start that it's Howells. By the time we get on to number two, and, you know, this is this is Howells as we know him, isn't it? It's interesting reading some of the, the comments at the, at the time that he made when he was thinking a lot about um, sort of the ideas of musical form. Um, in the first sonata, which was actually written second, he... Um, it was a, originally described as a fantasy sonata, this sort of very English idea of, of, of the fantasy, which was quite prevalent at the time. And it's in um, this one sort of long movement. Um, he described it as having a sort of triple mood. But he's so he's kind of thinking at that time, he's looking to, at ways to sort of both engage with the traditions of, of sonata form and experiment more and push things forward. I think he felt that was quite an important thing to be doing and he was kind of searching for his musical voice and um, it's interesting to hear those concerns coming coming through. Of course, on the disc, apart from the sonatas, Rosie, there are these wonderful uh, miniatures, um, a couple of which are, uh, have world premieres as well. Yes, and between the sonatas, there are the, there's the slow air and the country tune and the cradle song. Um, 
I did enjoy um, hearing how his style developed through the sonatas, but these are really nice, um, sort of delicate snatches of his composition um, style in between, especially the Cradle song was very lyrical and very beautiful. Well, let's hear one of these um, wonderful miniatures, um, the Lento Assai Espressivo, um, which, in fact, is a world premiere recording. Uh, it doesn't have a date, uh, but written round about sort of 1918. It's always worth hearing Howells in short form as well, because, of course, he wasn't... He made his name effectively with one, two exceptions, the hymnus Paradisi, for one. But basically, he made his name with shorter works. His best-known choral works are all between about five and ten minutes. And he is a master of the short form. It's interesting to show that he was he was good at it with the sort of chamber forces rather than just choral forces as well. And it's lovely to hear that influence from Finzi as well. You know, you really get a sense that, that there was, you know the pastoral language coursing through his veins, um, and yet Howells was able to sort of take that on further but still keep that essence of Englishness. So you, although you get this angularity, if you like, you still get um, a sense of location, I think, in this work. Mm. And actually, I think they're very effectively played, the miniatures. I think Rupert Marshall, Rupert Marshall Luck and, and Matthew Rickard do a lovely job on, on capturing the, the atmosphere instantly yeah, in those I, and creating these little snapshots. Yeah, I especially love that there's a moment of double stopping in the Cradle song and it's so it's very beautifully approached, but very delicately done. Mm. I feel sometimes there could be a little bit more sense of occasion, I think, from some of the playing. Um, mm. I, I, I feel there, there are a couple of intonation problems now and again, but I have to say that this uh, is, is a wonderful endeavour. Um, it, it's, it's, it's wonderful to hear House's work altogether because it makes for a very interesting progression of we just of we, of, of, as we've discussed and then they've done a lot of work as well in and I think with with Paul Spicer who writes part of the booklet notes in preparing these pieces to be recorded for the first time so the 1911 sonata was in the Royal College of Music Library and they've made a lot of editorial decisions about that um you know a lot of work has gone in behind the scenes as well on the scholarly aspect of it I think so the interesting thing about this uh, record is that this is all early Howells. Um, this is before the sort of almost existentialist angst that Howells went through in, in 1925. Jeremy, perhaps you can tell us a bit about that. Yes, um, Howells is kind of, again, he is quite famous for a lot of his later works. He he reflected the fact that his son Michael died at a young age and it took him a long time to recover from that. But this was before all that, but his his life was hardly untroubled at this stage. Um, he didn't serve in the war because he was actually diagnosed um, with Graves' disease and was actually given six months to live um, in 1915. So he had that hanging over him. And although he kind of effectively made a recovery, he must have that must have really psychologically affected him. He had friends at the front, particularly Gurney. Um, and so there's... And you have to remember that these were all written during the First World War, the bulk of these pieces. So you have to remember that as well. So it's interesting they don't reflect on the war, but clearly his life at the time was, was no kind of easy ride. 
And, of course, later on, after 1925, when basically his second piano concerto was lambasted, he retreated up into the organ loft and basically spent most of his time writing choral and organ music. Yeah, it's a shame, really, um, because it was a particular incident in the second piano concerto where the critic at the end stood up and said, thank God that's over, and poor Howells, unsurprisingly, got the hump, and he retreated into the organ loft. Who knows what might have happened with his orchestral music and his chamber music had, had he carried on writing for, for those forces. And it, also, it's not music that we really, that we really sort of very often played anymore at all. And I think part of that is that same sort of fear of rejection he had, and that kind of was a real demonstration of of the power of the rejection. So he didn't want to publicise any of his works, publish them even. So he wanted musicians to find them. Mm-hmm. So I think it's time to give this recording some scores, Jeremy. I'm delighted to have all these recordings on, on one disc. And this, for me, it's a real ear-opener to hear them all, especially one after the other in chronological order. Um, I find one or two moments the, the playing could have a little bit more joie de vivre. And likewise, the, the sleeve notes are a tad worthy. However, I'm going to give it six out of ten. Rosie? Um, I'm going to go for five. I mean, five for, you know, as we say, a brilliant, brilliant scholarly approach, um, fantastic project. Um, just for me, there were some runs that were slightly fluffed um, and some of the playing just, I don't know, I didn't feel like he was pushing through the phrases quite as much as he could and kind of directing us through this amazing music. Um, so five from me. Rebecca? Uh, it's a six from me. Um similar feelings really I felt the playing was a little bit of a mixed bag um, but I very much enjoyed some of the sort of more lyrical and, and slow passages from Rupert Marshall Lark and, and the playing of, of Matthew Rickard the pianist as well very much enjoyed that um, but yes I'd like to give it a six yes Matthew's playing was terrific wasn't it actually and we haven't said enough about him and I, I very much hope he's going to do a lot more um, uh, all in all I'm going to give it a seven I really enjoyed the journey, I have to say. I, I think the miniatures are stunning. I think the sonatas, um, obviously a mixed bag. Number two, though, was my, my absolute favourite. I think it was really beautifully played. Um, some of the violin playing, as we've all said, could could have could have been a little bit more forward, could have been a little bit more characterful. But at the same time, I thoroughly enjoyed it. So that gives us an average overall of 6 out of 10 for this recording of Howells' Complete Works for Violin and Piano on EM Records. So that brings us to the end of this month's first listen. Do join us next month when we'll be getting together once again to discuss another major new recording. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to this BBC Music Magazine podcast, which was produced in our Bristol studio by Jack Fletcher. For more of our podcasts, visit our website at classical-music.com or simply head to iTunes.